You are watching and listening episode 68 of the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast. On this episode, I'm going to tell you why we are dangerously close to everything falling in line with the prophecy. The prophecy, my prophecy. In addition to that, we're going to talk a little bit of MLB and potentially looking a little bit into the playoffs. I'm going to tell you the sadness that is the Stanley Cup regarding the aforementioned prophecy. And in addition to that, we're also going to chat a little bit Somewhere we'll sprinkle in there. Maybe we'll talk a little NBA. Maybe we'll talk some random shit. Maybe the Serper conspiracy continues. I can't promise anything, but whatever happens, it's going to be on this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. I'm Carlos. That's Dave. What's going on, Dave? This week, something that uh, has not happened in quite a lot of time. I've watched a lot of wrestling because I went to the library to get something else out and then just... Basically, as in a lot of businesses, everything's taped out in terms of the path that you are supposed to take, right? Arrow direction, exact. So that arrows that take me to where I pick up my holds pass me through the DVDs and boom, Survivor Series was just sitting there. And I was like, you know what? Now, what is the actual DVD? Because you showed it to me and I saw Survivor Series and I saw like 30 on it. But what is the so actual it's, thing? It's like the 30, 30 best moments of, I think it's like 30 years of Survivor Series. Ah. So it's like 30 best moments. So the first disc is like third, the 30 best moments of Survivor yeah. Series countdown. Usually they do like a documentary or a countdown or whatever. Yeah, it's a countdown. And yeah. then the other, there's three discs and the other two discs are matches. Okay. Does any of them involve the Undertaker's debut? Uh, the Undertaker is in a couple of them, yeah. No, but I mean, his he debuted at Survivor Series. So, so I don't, I don't, that. I don't know if they use that one or not. I don't know because, mm-hmm. yeah. So as a, quick side note, as a quick side note to everybody, when I, the reason I can throw a reference like that out there, if you are familiar with wrestling, is that in another lifetime, because I think podcasts really got going really like in the mid two thousands, like two thousand and five, two thousand and six. Realistic, if you're a super OG like podcast, it would probably have been from that era. If I had tried to do a podcast back in 05, it probably would have been a wrestling podcast because I had references for days. Um, and sometime down the road, I'll discuss the possibility of me doing a little thing related to that. But that won't be until like November. So it's not worth talking about for a while. But I, I know my wrestling a little bit. Yeah, uh, there was definitely one of his earlier matches, uh, you know, back in the day when he had Paul Bear walking to the ring with him. Yeah, and, and because you know, um, I can tell you right now the way you can tell. Was it against, uh, it was against Hulk Hogan, the match they had? No, that would have been, I think, his second or third year. That okay, he, so no, sorry. they don't have the they don't have the original match. Yeah, because I think I want to say, and someone can fact check me. I think it was Survivor Series '91 when he made his debut, and he made his debut as part of a traditional Survivor Series match, which is a five-on-five kind of elimination match, and he was on a team with uh, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. So Ted DiBiase introduced him. Um, as his mystery partner as part of his Survivor Series team. And he came down and his first manager wasn't Paul Bear. His first manager was Brother Love. There's a little piece of trivia for you. I like it. Uh, you want another piece of trivia, another match that is in this uh, DVD set. Yeah. Uh, the Rock's first match ever was in Survivor Series as well. I believe that. That's probably uh, about right. He was, at that point, he was known as Rocky Maivia. Yeah. And he Did you like his with- haircut? Oh. There's actually a YouTube video, and it was it's unfortunate because I think they only he only made four of them on the Rock's YouTube channel called mm-hmm. The Rock Reacts. Yeah, uh, and and he you know just two of them are about Saturday Night Live. One of them's about his uh, appearance in The Scorpion King, his first like major film that was he was the star, and the other one is about his first match, and he riffs on his hair. 
Yeah, because it's it's his hideous. It's it's literally like a chia pet thing. Like I think he makes that picture. reference in the video. Yeah, but go find a picture of the damn. It's embarrassing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Considering where he ended up, it's impressive how pathetic the start was. Yeah. And the best part about it though is uh, I can't remember the name of the camera, but it's like the main camera. The hard cam? He, yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. And he comes in and he's trying to play to that, but he has his back turned to it the whole time. Yep. One day that man be, would become the biggest movie star in the world and maybe down the road president. Just saying. Knows, yeah, you never it, know. It, it's quite possible. Yeah, all of it's possible. But you got to start somewhere, I guess. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and then another story I'll share with you real briefly. Uh, we went apple picking today for the first time uh, with George. And surprisingly, that is an activity that a 13-month-old can get into as much as a 13-month-old can get into anything. Because uh, he has the strength to, you know, grab onto an apple and pull it off the tree. Mm-hmm. He just wants to eat every apple that he picks. Mm-hmm. But you know, we had fun, and we have a bag of apples now, which we will eat. Live the dream, Dave. Live the dream. Oh, exactly. So the correct move. The correct move is apple pie, Dave. Apple pie is the move. Apple pie is always a good move. It is a move. Mm. Anyway, how about you, buddy? What's going on with you? For the most part, uh, work is pretty quiet. We did a lot of testing. That's really, I won't get too much into detail for everybody, but uh, testing means that I'm kind of sitting around there monitoring things a lot, which is usually the job, but it also means a lot of downtime followed by fixing, 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 downtime, fixing, 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 downtime, and the back and forth of that. But it also means if you haven't slept well, which I didn't last week, I was very tired. Um, and it made for a lot of stretches of uh, just being like semi-conscious for a lot of it. And when I had to do it, then it was easy because then your mind's engaged, you're in it, you're whatever. But during that little in-between downtime, you're just like, you know, just yeah. a little bit of that in the chair. So that's always uh, that's always kind of fun. A lot of coffee is, is the bottom. The answer to all of it is a lot of coffee, like a lot. Ice coffee? Absolutely. Or- I only do ice coffee. Yeah. Okay. I would. That was a question I feel the podcast listeners didn't know. Yes, I only do the iced coffee. I don't do hot drinks for anything. It's just iced coffee. So I usually make it here at the house, although I did treat myself a couple times this week to Starbucks because uh, the app is back online and you can actually just pop in, grab it and walk right back out. Nice. Yeah. So that's I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. So that works out. That's that's good stuff. But yeah, for the most part, it was pretty straightforward. Um, it's been fun kind of uh, because I, I do talk about my collecting stuff a fair bit and I've been having a little bit of fun doing some of that, working on some of it. If you do ever, if you do ever check out the video version of it, I put my, uh, see if I can do the right direction. There we go. I put the Instagram there that all the cards are in and I finished a little collection, put together a thing with a, with a one of one. So the Medano collection is proceeding along very well. Nice. Is that yes. the purple one? Did you get the purple one of one? Mm-hmm. That's the one. Nice. Yeah. So that's, uh, that was they, a good. They finally came down in price, eh? Yeah. To a certain degree, to a certain degree. I still paid more than I would have liked to, but uh, it is what it is. It's one of those ones that you got to do. And when it comes to a lot of that stuff, it's really going to be trying to negotiate, trying to find the right deal, trying to put together the right pieces. But at the same time, it is a one of one. And I decided I had already put in enough effort to try to finish it off. So sometimes you got to stretch a little bit. Although if he hadn't come down in price, it was funny because I did do a little text exchange with him uh, because I was in touch with the seller. Right. And um I laugh because um, when I was actually doing it, and I want to quote this for for you guys so that we get it so that we get it right here, and I'll tell you exactly what I said. Uh, he reached out, and he basically asked if the handle for the person who made the offer on eBay was mm-hmm. me. He asked me directly, and he goes, "I asked because they made a decent offer, and I counted, which he did." And it's like this may uh, they may accept, so they say they may accept. 
He goes, not sure how hell bent you are in finishing this rainbow. And I said, yep. And I'd, ex and I countered his counter <laughs> and, I, and my reply was, yep. And I'd accept that last counter. It isn't going one cent higher. I'm tempted to drop it because I can pull my offer and then, and then submit another offer that's even lower. Right. And then he was like, okay, got it. <laughs> so I took, I told him, I was like, you're not getting a cent more. And if I have to sit here and wait, I'm going to withdraw that offer and I'm actually going to offer less. So this is the highest it's going. I like it. The price can only go down from here. So, yeah, sometimes you got to remind them. It's like, hey, hey, you know, don't get cute. Yeah, don't exactly. Get cute. Don't get cute. Just get her done. But, yeah, that was good. Uh, so I've been having fun with that. Although I do, I think we're going to be in a little slowdown time now in the fall because I got some plans and some things that need to get done. And, uh, you know, hashtag adulting. You got to okay. take care of uh, take care of the business. You got to do what you can. Yes, you do. But I've been uh, I've made some great strides in the collection anyway the last couple of months. So right now is a good opportunity to sit back and chill and just kind of watch things play out a little bit. Yep. So with all that said, why don't we, um, if you don't have any more stories about anything going on, then uh, we can get a little bit into this. So let's get this one out of the way. Stanley Cup final game five is on tonight and we are dangerously close. As I mentioned, we are dangerously close to fulfilling the prophecy. And Dave, you may not know this, but there was a wise man who spoke on these matters. And I can refer to him right now. I can point out exactly where this was stated and where this was done are you ready i'm ready all right so it's coming here and what we're going to do is we're going to refer back and then i will cue it up and share with you all exactly what we're going to be looking at now this goes from an episode last week called it was lebron and serper all along on this very podcast where a wise man a visionary if you will let's just uh cue it up to a specific section here if we can and by the way, just nod, Dave, if you can hear the audio, it should be fine. But you let me know. All right. So what would be your prediction? Tampa Bay and how many games? Actually, like, you know, how many? If I'm saying uh, Tampa wins, it'd probably be in five. So probably I would give Dallas a game. That would be how it would play out. But again, it will depend. Like, that's all you need to know. Just why don't we all just listen to that guy? He knows what he's talking about. He knows the way. If it's going to play out, Dallas gets a game. They did get a game. And unless they can do something very dramatic tonight, it will be done in five. Yeah. Exactly as the, my prophecy. In accordance Carl. with Carlos's prophecy. My prophecy. My specific prophecy. That was a wise man. Those were, those were heady days. Back before, uh, back before I became my own evil twin with my mini goatee of exactly a couple of days worth of growth. And you back... Back when Dave had his goatee and it was the evil twin that interviewed that asked me that question. You gotta love when you know the podcast ages well. And what we say ages well. But it's the thing is we're on a pretty good streak right now. Tom Brady, yeah. your prediction for the Stanley Cup finals. It was it was it's easy. See, here's the thing, Dave. Part of the reason that I've kind of pivoted away from talking sports as much is because frankly, we're idiots and we know almost nothing about sports. However, if you ask me a question about a team that I have been carefully watching, then you better believe I have some insight. And the thing is, I didn't want to play the whole clip because I could have kept going on that clip where I analyzed it. And by the way, a lot of what I said has played out exactly. I gave you the specific prediction. But one of the things I said is I said exactly what Tampa Bay needed to do in order to win. I also said exactly what Dallas had been doing wrong that could potentially cause them problems, including getting horrifically outshot. And I'm not going to refer, like I said, I'm not going to go back to the clip, although I could. I literally could. But 
just to give you guys an indicator, game four was an overtime game. We know that. Uh, but the thing is, Dallas recorded three shots in the first period. Three in 20 minutes. They recorded three shots. That's pretty pathetic. It is pathetic. Now, what they what happened is they got lucky in much the way they've gotten lucky in a lot of this year, a lot of this year's Stanley Cup playoffs. They were able to score on two out of three goal, three two out of three shots. How often do you think that's going to happen? Not very often. No. The first two, the first three shots, two of them went in for goals. And Tampa came back and scored on their last shot of regulation right at the end within about 30 seconds of the end of the first period. And instead of being 2 nothing heading into the second, it was 2-1. to one. And that was like a precursor of things to come where Dallas had a two-goal lead a couple of times and they blew a two-goal lead. And then they kind of hung on. They tied it late in the third to bring it to overtime. And one of the things I did say was, how many times are you going to keep courting danger with overtime before it doesn't work for you? Mm -hmm. That's the funny thing about it. If you keep courting danger, eventually you're going to pay. On a related note, on two of the three power plays that Tampa had in regulation, they scored goals. And then in overtime, in accordance with the prophecy, my prophecy, they also went in overtime, and Jamie Benn, the captain, got a penalty, an ill-advised penalty, and Tampa scored its third goal on its fourth power play. Yeah. Well, all of these things are not good. No. All of them. No, and it, it's a recipe for losing series, and yeah. most likely looks like it will be a recipe for losing the Stanley Cup. Yeah, that's the thing. Like They position themselves in such a way, and tonight we've actually got two Game 5s. So we've got the Dallas-Tampa Bay Game 5, and we've also got the Lakers uh, taking on the Nuggets in the NBA for Game 5. So, But I will say the Nuggets are probably better equipped to try to make a series out of a 3-1 to one deficit. Hey, they've done it well, twice. They, they've done, yeah, exactly. They have. Yeah. The, some will argue that they have the Lakers right where they want them. Yeah. I would say most likely – I was going to, I honestly believe that LeBron is smart enough to know that he shouldn't let them keep hanging around. It would be unwise to not do whatever he can to try to end the series here and just get it over with. I would say for Tampa, they have a little more room to work with. Uh, last night was a real missed opportunity for the Dallas team because they could have at the bare minimum gotten out of this weekend down three to two if they had found a way to win the last game. It would have been better for them to, like, even if you're behind, even if you're facing an elimination game, I believe, on Monday, you're better off facing an elimination game on Monday than facing an elimination game tonight and having to hope and pray that you can squeeze one out here to force the same elimination game on Monday. Yeah. It's a very right. different, very different way, very different feel having to now fight for your playoff life starting tonight and then revisiting it on Monday and then trying to stretch the series to game seven, I think, on Wednesday. Yeah, no, for sure. It's asking a lot. For sure. Three in a row against this uh, Tampa team might be a little bit too much to ask. It's probably a bridge too far. Yeah, but we'll see. You know, we're, we're going to see it. And uh, if you see the video version of it, so there's the, there's some of my Dallas swag that I did pick up. That is a Dallas beer koozie they had Woo. while drinking Amsterdam. Yes, indeed. They deliver. Three speed, people. Check it out. It's good. They deliver. Hashtag sponsor us. I know, clearly, obviously. But uh, so, yeah. There's a, but the Stanley Cup final, like I said, is going. If it does go end tonight, then I cash my cash money. So I suppose that yeah. works out. And uh, I should be able to get my Jamie Benn rookies and stuff pretty cheap soon because he has failed me yet again. Although not as badly as Tyler Sagan has failed me. I think he's only got nine points in this entire playoff. For $10 million, Dave, nine points. Brutal. Brutal. Yeah. yeah. 
You know what else? Uh, you know what else is brutal? That performance combined with the fact that the two leading scorers on the Dallas team, the two leading scorers on the Dallas team, are Heiskanen, which we knew already, and Klingberg. Klingberg and Heiskanen have made a new have made a distinctive record. Well, I don't think it's a record. I think it's matching a previous accomplishment. They're the only two defensemen pairings to have recorded twenty points in a playoff, outside of the Edmonton Oilers of the eighties. That's great. The fact that they're the two leading scorers on the team, that's not great. <laughs> so that is that is kind of indicative of where this is. The defense is great, but everything else is not so great. Yeah. Not so great. And they left the door open for Tampa Bay to, to record an opportunity. I think um, I would say a great indicator of the way the series has gone is that Stan Coast won't be playing in game five. Uh, he didn't really play in game four, I don't believe. Memory serves me. I think he played in game three. And he that was the only action he's had in the NH, in the Stanley Cup final. And he scored a goal in game three. And he's too injured to play in game four and game five. To which I say, why was he able to score a goal then? How bad is this team that you let the broken guy come in for, for a brief visit? Oh, while I'm here, I may as well score a goal. Wait, what? No. <laughs> Yeah. We injure this man. Did I not? Did I not state that I wanted everyone on Tampa Bay to be injured? I think so. I'm pretty sure you did say that. If J- if Jamie Ben's going to get a penalty, could he at least do it injuring him? It's yeah. not like he's helping that much anyway. Get injured, get suspended, whatever. Go for it. At least let's get something out of this. Jesus. Anyway, all right. Which one do you want to do then? Uh, NFL, NBA, or a little MLB? Let's go to the MLB. Um, because I, I probably would have admitted if I haven't already said this on air, uh, well, let's, let's admit two things. First of all, one, one was, was great. Yeah. Well, we, I haven't never said that isn't true, but I feel we should still all acknowledge it. You know, that's once fair. again, Continue. uh, even though his team is not, that's a different issue entirely. True. Uh, so I was horribly, horribly, horribly wrong about the Anaheim angels. So I want to put that out there. I'm just going to eat crow on that one. You mean even the LA Angels? Yeah. Los Angeles. Whatever. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I feel you can still call them the Anaheim Angels and it works. Sure. But whatever. Uh, and considering they're actually like 45 minutes with good traffic away from Los Angeles. Anyway. Uh, so I bad on them. And I probably would have told you eight teams in playoffs is a bad idea. I'm still not, conv- I'm still not convinced that it isn't a bad idea. Uh, it's nice because that's how the Jays made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I'm happy about that. And, and here's the thing, right? The first round series is potential three games. It's the best out of three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel the potential for upset in the first, the first round is quite high. Yeah. So you, have a, you know, you have a couple of good pitching performances, right? You know, uh, for example, we'll use the Jays as an example, but you have Hunjin Ryu, uh, you know, going for you in game one. He, you know, he, he is a playoff commodity. I wouldn't say necessarily he's a proven playoff commodity, but he's been in a lot of playoff games for the Dodgers. He's pitched mm-hmm. in playoffs. He knows what that's like. Quite possible that he, be, you know, if he pitches lights out, we got one. Now, you, you know, you have another, you only have uh, one more that you need. The other team has to win both games. Uh, so I think the pressure and, and the potential for upset is going to be huge in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also do appreciate that, especially, well, the AL is all settled in terms of, who's making the playoffs. I think there might be some seeding that could potentially change. Uh, but the NL is still up for grabs in terms of the fact that there are currently four teams, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee, 
that can take any of those four teams, any combination of those four teams could be seventh and eighth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's exciting. And then would, you know, uh, the 18 plays the Dodgers. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it's also going to be weird watching the games, you know, in neutral sites, right? San Diego, Los Angeles, the Dodger stadium and Arlington and Houston. Uh, that's going to be weird. The other thing that will be, will probably be slightly satisfying. I hope is that, uh, the way things stand right now, and I don't think it's about to change. Uh, is that Houston is the sixth seed and they're going to play uh, the Twins in Los Angeles. So it looks like Houston, whatever series Houston is going to play in, they're going to play in Los Angeles and Houston is not playing well. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see that. Okay. Right? Because, you know, it because of the whole cheating thing, Sign stealing, beating the Dodgers in the World Series. It would be kind of nice to see Houston be eliminated from the playoffs uh, at Dodger Stadium. A little poetic justice there. Hopefully. Interesting. Could be. Could be. Yeah, I was kind of curious because I was looking at it. Now, mind you, the brackets have changed. People have shifted around a little bit. I was trying to see exactly where... Um where the seating was. So the, I thought the Yankees were playing the twins, but obviously there's been some jockeying for position. So the Yankees are playing Cleveland right now. Yeah. And that could change Uh, any team right now. So Minnesota, Cleveland and Chicago white Sox are all going to make the playoffs from the AL central. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now, the order is Minnesota, Cleveland, Chicago, Uh, but that order could change. Any of those teams could win the division. Uh, Any of them could finish third, right? Minnesota has 35 wins. Cleveland has 34 and Chicago has 34. So I don't know what tiebreak. There's some tiebreaker that Cleveland has over Chicago right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. No, that's fair. I get it. It'll be interesting to see. Like, I don't know at this stage what, um, like, I have to kind of look at these matchups once they are finalized. To your point, though, I do think it's interesting for me in that the way that this is structured is that, you know, obviously Arlington and Houston are are where all the NL teams are playing, which are two National League uh, stadiums. And then San Diego and Los Angeles are two National League ones where all the American League teams are playing. So so basically, like, Houston is literally on the opposite side of the bracket where they could have been playing in Houston, uh, but they don't have that option. Well, same uh, same with the Dodgers, right, and the Padres. Yeah, but well, the Padres was the main one I was thinking about because that one made me laugh. I was like, "Wait, so the Padres are playing good? They're in the playoffs." By the way, the the Padres games, the San Diego games, are on the other side of the bracket. You're in the wrong league, San Diego. Yeah, and it, and it's going to be interesting, especially I think potential for the non uh, up to the World Series. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit different potentially for the National League because they're playing games there. Uh, but in the first round, and obviously in the NLCS, and even the NLDS. Uh, the teams playing in Arlington may have never played a game there. Mm-hmm. I wonder Which if they did that on purpose, though, because it looks to me like they were trying to make it like extra neutral. They're like, no, we're literally going to make sure that you guys don't normally play in this stadium, so we're going to put you on the opposite side. Yeah, I just wonder if there's a potential for you know injury in the fact that they don't know the playing surface and don't know to judge you know where the warning track is, foul territory, uh, you know that kind of thing about the stadium. I suppose, but it, it's it seems like a bit of a stretch. I think though, if they're going to do Los Angeles, they shouldn't. Is Los Angeles Dodger Stadium then? Yeah, it's Dodger Stadium. They should they should have done the they should have done the Anaheim one. Then at least you know, then you could have been like, hey, you see, a playoff is being played here. No thanks to you, Trout. Yeah, that would have oh. been, been slightly amusing. 
Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, some of the matchups, like Tampa Bay and the Jays are going to play each other. That's that's a, that's for sure going to happen. No, I that's, think there's still – I have to look, but I think there's still a scenario where the Jays and the Yankees could flip-flop. It's still like uh, – uh, Oh, maybe, yeah. The Jays have maybe. to win out, and the Yankees have to lose at least win. once. Yeah. Yes, the Jays must win everything. They no, can't the, lose the Yankees game. have to lose out too now. I believe so, yes. So, yes. Yeah, so, it's possible, but it, I'm, it, I'm pretty it's sure. A stretch. It's a stretch, but it is possible. Yes, but the likelihood is that you're going to get a Tampa Bay-Toronto series. Most likely. would be good, uh, you know. And, yeah, you Oakland's going to play a, a, an AL Central team. It depends on which one. And then, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of jockeying in terms of, like, three through seven. Uh, Houston's locked in at six. But uh, three through, you know, three, four, five, and seven could all alternate potentially. Exciting times. Right? Versus, uh, you know, some interesting potential in the NL too. Uh, Miami, uh, you know, being actually being in the playoffs. You know, and, and again, I think that first round is going to be interesting in terms of, of the pitching matchups that can be there. Uh, I kind of want Philly to not make the playoffs because screw you, Bryce Harper. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. I'm also, but I expect the big thing I'm, I'm expecting is going to be uh, San Diego, LA, NLDS, which I think is going to be a hell of a series. But here's the one thing I, I, I question, Carlos, because I watched the Dodgers, right? Fairly I've regularly. Rumor. I've heard this rumor. And by the way, by the way, that rumor is also a lie because you don't watch the Dodgers, Dave. You listen to the Dodgers. There's no viewing in radio. I, it's a, I actually watched part of the game, parts of the games this week that have been actually on TV. I'm sorry, you you watched them on a television with moving pictures. That's correct. Go on. And honestly, like how is this? I like I get it. Like I like it obviously, but it's like. How is this team the best team in Major League Baseball record-wise? It baffles me, right? Because they're a good team, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I, I feel like the team has really done nothing. Well, I shouldn't say nothing. But the a lot of the issues that have reared their ugly head in the playoffs before, I feel are going to catch up to this team yet again. So, first of all, is starting pitching. Not like in the pandemic situation, weird shit happens where a team would have has, probably has no business being there with a bear, apparent weaknesses ends up in a position. Not like that happens, Dave. Yeah. Ever. Carlos is holding up the Dallas Stars koozie to the. But Miami. specifically right to the logo, right directly yep. dead center in the middle of the picture, just so that we can be clear what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. It happens. Yes. You know, uh, who knows? But I think they're starting pitching. Uh, I don't think they're starting pitching is that strong. Uh, I don't think. It, can I be honest with you? I don't think it matters because. Um, I, so let's do a little bit of actual analysis for one second. I'll come back to your Dodgers point for a moment, but I want to. I want to talk in generalities first. Yeah, let's do then, it, man. So, when it comes to the playoffs this year, the tack that I've taken. Here's the thing: I've been enjoying the whole Juan Soto thing because it's been fun. It's a short season. I can't put any major stock into it. What I've enjoyed is that when I look at Soto play, you know, even though the team is not making the playoffs and everything, they're the defending World Series champions, but they just didn't play very well. Strasburg was hurt early. Soto had the diagnosis for COVID early. That took him out for the beginning of it. But otherwise, the guys played lights out. Some guys have come into this playing well. Towards the tail end of this, going to the Jays now for a second, Guerrero has played terrible most of the season. The last little bit, he's turned it on, which is still a problem for me because that's condition. You're basically alluding to a conditioning problem again. Yeah. 
if you extrapolate his uh, his totals right now over 162 games, he ends up at about maybe like 25, 26 home runs and about 90 RBIs, which is not a terrible progression from his last year. But at the same time, you're thinking like, okay, you're starting to turn it on late here. Your average is starting to creep up. You're starting to hit a couple of home runs here down the stretch. Imagine what it would have been like if you had come in in shape. And like out of spring training, he was in shape, but then he allowed himself to get out of shape during the quarantine. But other players came in, in shape, ready to go, and came firing out. Injuries are injuries. That stuff happens. A lot of pitchers went down, obviously, because they didn't get a chance to stretch out the way they normally would with a normal spring training leading into a regular, regular season. The whole reset process kind of messed the whole thing up for everybody. Yeah. But it's even across the board. Everybody potentially had the same problem. Some of the pitchers were more prepared than others. Some of them were just unlucky. Like, you don't think the the Braves are in the playoffs, right? Like, hold on. Yes, they are. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are. Braves in the playoffs. They've won the division. Yeah. Mike Sorotka or Sorotka or whatever, the young guy, the, the young guy there, uh, he got hurt. Like, he got hurt really badly. And, and he's out and he's out for the season and he'll have to rehab and come back next year. Yeah. But the thing is, you don't think they wouldn't they wouldn't love to have him around right now for of this for this run? Because it's just one more weapon they have and at least get him some playoff experience. There's a lot of potential that could be with oh, within uh an Atlanta Braves team that could be interesting. It's hard to say, but it could be. Yeah, absolutely. But st- stuff happens, but it's one of those things. Like, is that the ideal? Is that what you'd want? You'd love to have him around right now, even just to get some experience in the playoffs, but you're going to have to make do everybody. I bet you by the time we get through it, it's going to be a little bit of attrition, especially the first couple of rounds. It's going to be teams just trying to advance without getting hurt. That's really going to be the goal. And then once we get down to it, we'll see <laughs> the Dodgers could win the damn thing with their deficiencies and all just oh, because sure. they're built well enough and they've got enough depth to be able to, and enough experience to be able to be like, okay, this is weird, but it's weird for everybody. And we got these neutral sites and all of this stuff. So just go out and play. And on a related note, um, you guys did remember to lose Dave Roberts plane ticket, right? He goes, yeah, yeah. We, he, he can't get out. We locked him in a room. Where is he right now? Oh, I think he's in the Nunavut headquarters with Kyrie. I think they're both watching it in the bubble. Yeah. Probably, quite possibly to just, you know, their own bubble. And just saying, I can fix all your problems here, Dave. All he has to do is hang out with Kyrie. Wait, what is Dave Roberts' job? His job is to keep Kyrie in the bubble. But what's Kyrie's job? His job is to keep Dave Roberts in the bubble. Wait, so their job is to watch each other? Yes. We gave them a job they can't mess up. I like it. I like it. Yep. But uh go ahead, yeah. talk to your Dodgers. It's it's you know what it's totally it's totally possible that anybody could win. Uh the thing is the Dodgers have a better bullpen than they have uh in in years, I would say. And like, and when I when I say better bullpen, I mean top to bottom, right? They may have had a better back end or maybe middle relievers at times, but in terms of like your bullpen as a whole, where every guy you you feel you can give the ball to and you have a good chance them for them to get done what you've tasked them to do, I think maybe they've had the best one in the last you know eight years of their streaks of winning divisions. Ah, so uh, you're saying it should be great as long as the person in charge of making decisions of when to utilize this bullpen is competent and capable of using it correctly. Yeah. Ah, great. Mm-hmm. Victory is assured, Dave. You, see, you know, but you see what I'm saying? So you've got you've got a great bullpen, but, you know, do you trust the person to use it correctly? And then you have starting pitching, which is so-so, I would say, at best, even though they've won 41 games and potentially could win 43, right? Uh, and then you have Mookie Betts, 
right? Uh, who's been awesome. Corey Seager, who's been awesome. AJ Pollock, who's been awesome. Uh, but a lot of your other guys, like Cody Bellinger hasn't had a good year. Nope. Uh, Jock Peterson hasn't had a good year. You know, there's there's a lot of guys who aren't doing well. Uh, you know, I think they have whatever they need to get through the first round. Although, granted, I feel it's a little bit of a crapshoot. But that uh, San Diego series could be one hell of a humdinger, Carlos. A humdinger? Yes, I did use that word. Wow. Amazing. Incredible. Uh, you wow. know, so I'm look, I'm looking forward to, to that part of the bracket. I'm also obviously – I'm also looking forward to, as I say, team to watch. For me, uh, is the Oakland A's in the, in the American League. Right? I would say, honestly, I feel like the NL is going to be represented by – either Los Angeles or San Diego with an outside shot at potentially maybe Atlanta. And do you have the- any idea how bringing back the sports card market report for a second, do you have any idea what would happen to Fernando Tatis and or Ronald Acuna if they made a world series run this year? Hey buddy, I'm just saying like, right. Because this is one of the things we talk about on this, this podcast, right? So I would say if, if I were you random person out there, And you're thinking, okay, where should I go next in the sports card market? This is my personal opinion. You can ridicule me all you want after I say this. Deservedly so. I would say, look at the Oakland A's, look at the Braves, look at the Padres, and see who's potentially undervalued right now, uh, you know, for their rookie card on that, but who potentially has, you know, could develop and see if you can buy their card. Because if they do go all the way, I you're looking you will have a smile on your face let's say possibly to to a certain degree yes in baseball I would say the the reaction on a world series championship isn't as immediate there is a little bit of a response like it's not like Strasburg's cards went into stratosphere after they won the world series even though he won the MVP Mm -hmm. Uh, Soto definitely went up but he actually went up more in the offseason it's not like he immediately happened right after Soto was a borderline MVP candidate for that World Series. He performed extremely well, and he followed up with a great performance this year, which his cards have appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, once it became clear they were a non-playoff team this year, his card prices have come back down a little bit, which is actually fine for me as a as a one Soto buyer. I'm like, great, bring the prices back down under control. He still played extremely well. <laughs> like if I actually look at what he did, he actually played extremely well still, even though the team success wasn't there this year. Um, Acuna is a good call, I think. Uh, Tatis is interesting. Even Manny Machado is interesting from the San Diego side of it because he's had a bit of a resurgence this year, uh, reminding people he was pretty good at baseball. Um, Oakland's weird because I was like, um, I don't know who the star player would be on Oakland. That's kind of what makes the thing weird is that um, maybe the play here is uh, by the Oakland A's. Could be. Franchise. Could be, um, you know, Chris Davis, Matt Chapman. Yeah, but maybe. Chris Davis really didn't play that well, I don't think. No, I'm just thinking like potential. I'm just thinking about possible potential. But yeah, Matt I mean, Chapman is probably your best answer for that because Chris Davis had a couple of years where he hit a lot of home runs. He was pretty good at that. But this year he's hitting a robust buck 90. Yeah, well, there you go. It's working Meanwhile, out great. And, and Matt Chapman's only hitting 232. All right, hold on, Dave. Wait, let me correct myself. He's up to a, he's up to a buck 93, which yeah, means he only needs to raise his average 12 points to bat his weight. Woo-hoo. Forget about Mendoza line. Batting your weight is where it's at, Dave. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Oh, Chris Davis. Ooh, 
they've been rough times <laughs> since those heydays. Now, with Chris Davis, he was never a high average guy, but uh, at least when he was hitting 40 home runs, he did it for three straight years, so everybody knows. Uh, when you're hitting 40 bombs a year, you know, we'll, we'll forgive a 247 batting average. Wow, hold on. Can I share with you a random stat here? Please do. I love you know me. I love some random stats. All right. So Chris Davis from 2015 until 2018. These are his batting averages year by year in those four seasons. You ready? Mm-hmm. 247, 247, 247, and 247. That is his batting average for four years. He literally hit 247 four straight years. That included his last year in Milwaukee. Where he hit twenty, where he hit twenty-seven home runs, the sixty-six RBIs, and hit two forty-seven. His uh, twenty-eight sixteen year in Oakland, where he hit forty-two home runs, one hundred and two RBIs, and hit two forty-seven. Two thousand seventeen, where he hit forty-three home runs, one hundred and ten RBIs, and he hit two forty-seven. And twenty eighteen, where he was a top ten MVP candidate, hit forty-eight home runs, one hundred and twenty-three RBIs, and hit two forty-seven. That's pretty cool. I don't think I can think of anyone who has so consistently hit so many home runs and batted such a low average that isn't Dave Kingman. <laughs> like, there's your reference. Look up Dave Kingman. That's literally it. Nobody is like that. Cons- well, Adam Dunn. Uh, Adam, Adam Dunn. Dunn. Adam Dunn's another one. Dave Kingman and Adam Dunn. That's the That's the company you keep. But in fairness, Dave Kingman and Adam Dunn did it for longer. So, ha. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. There's your random, ref- uh, ba- you know, uh, trivia reference uh, for baseball for the day. I All like right. it. It works out. Anything else you want to do, MLB-wise? No, I think that's good. I think we've covered some, you know, pretty randomness there. So I think there's more. I think there'll be more to discuss later. Oh, I think, for sure. Uh, right now, we, we got to find out what these final playoff matchups are. Exactly. I'm not going to exactly. make major predictions on anything. I, I think this really is going to be a crapshoot. Like, this first round is going to be nuts. I actually like the whole 16-team thing. I'm cool with it. Whatever. Um, I know some people complain about it, but it's like, look, man, at least it makes it interesting. The Jays made the playoffs for the first time since 2016. It's not like they had any business being in the playoffs either. But they're there. They're yeah. now. So we'll see. Maybe some of these young guys will get a chance to perform a little bit of playoffs. And if they steal a round or two, hey, I don't think the fan base is going to complain. No, not at all. I will say, though, the postseason swag is pathetic, like truly pathetic. It's kind of lame. Because it's because yet again, Carlos, Rob Manfred has let you down. It is true. It is true. It is something he does tend to do a lot. But we'll see. Uh, I'd be okay with keeping the playoff format because screw it. Whatever, man. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, obviously, if it goes well this year, I wouldn't be surprised if it's back next year. My understanding is he wants to do it. And there is some support from some of the owners. Because from their perspective, you have to understand, from the owner's perspective, it's like, well, playoff revenue money. Yeah, homie. <laughs> we can sell more playoff games to our TV partners, too. We might need some of that. But you know what? You want even more money? Come up with some decent swag. That would help. That, w- that would help a lot. Like, have you seen it? No. Like I mean, I've seen the shirts that they're wearing, you know, like the respect shirts and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about that. Like, that's lame, too, but I'm not. that's not what I'm referring to. All right, so here, hold on. I'll show you. And again, points, again, I remind everyone that, uh, you know, Dave's, you know, not so much apology from last week. Uh, the video version is where it's at. I care not what anyone else says. Okay, so here we go. Let me do this. Let me do a quick share screen here for you. Let me do it. Technology. All right. 
So here's the thing. It doesn't matter which team you're looking at. Basically, what you're looking at, here's the playoff logo. This is a postseason logo. I'm going to make one of these bigger. Uh, let's do the Jays one here since we're homers. So let me expand this. Okay. Basically, it's a regular Jays cap with this patch on it. Lame. Be still my beating heart, Dave. Blame. Be still my beating heart. But you Am can I... get free shipping on all U.S. orders. Yeah, great. Awesome. You know, which doesn't really help us, but hey. No, it means that, like, I looked at it. I was like, oh, well, I kind of like to buy some playoffs. So, like, I still have my postseason hat from 2015, <laughs> which was just funny. That that was funny. This is just kind of like, we're not even like, trying. No, no. Right? What am I supposed to do with that? Like, I've got that hat. Yeah, nothing, man. Maybe, maybe sell me the patch or something. I don't know. All right, cool. So uh, I, I do want to touch on the other two. So uh, you want to do NBA or NFL? Uh, you know, I honestly, we can, let's do NBA because I feel it'll be quicker because I don't have a lot to say other than, uh, you know, obviously Boston's making it a series, which, mm -hmm. which is good. I still think the lead that Miami has means they will win the series. I'd um, expect so. But I, you know what? It would not shock me completely if Boston won the next two games. Uh, but I feel Milwaukee will be able to win a game so and therefore win the series. Uh, Denver, you know, is back down to the, you know, their favorite 3-1 deficit, which they were to the Jazz, came back and won, which they were to the Clippers and came back and won and embarrassed the Clippers in doing so, which was fantastic. Uh, and they're now down 3-1 to the Lakers. I don't see it happening this time. Uh, I would not be shocked if they win tonight uh, just because. But I also feel that it's equally plausible that LeBron just takes this game and, and it's done. But I don't think there's any chance that Denver takes it further than six. You know, I, I think I also feel that the Lakers are a better team and Denver at some point is just going to be spent from having to come back from all these deficits again and again and again. I feel Denver's chance to, you know, make it make a real series of this or try and, you know, put it in their favor you know, came uh, when they could have won game two and didn't. And, you know, now we see where we are. That's fair. I, I think that's really what it comes down to is that you keep it's it, it's goes back to the same thing I said with Dallas. Like I, I'm saying it seriously, the Dallas series worked out as a hedge because I bet on Tampa because I thought they were the better team. And for the most part, they're playing like the better team. But it's also the theme here was I thought Dallas could potentially steal the series and win it if they didn't reach out to the well too many times. You can't play from behind constantly. You're going to run out of gas. You're going to get tired. You're going to make a mistake. And the more you put yourself behind the eight ball, the harder it is. You have no room for error then. You had better be perfect. Well, that's what the Nuggets did. They put themselves in these 3-1 holes and then like, oh, we'll dig ourselves out of it. Well, how many times do you think you can dig into that well? LeBron James knows full well that his window is closing. The opportunities are going to be limited going forward. So from his perspective, he goes, I got to close the door on these guys. To the best of my ability, I got to try to close the door on these guys and get them out of here so that I can prepare for the finals against probably the Heat. Probably. Because the Heat are young and full of a lot of energy. Yes. So they can give, yeah. a, they can pose a challenge to, to that Laker team if they can't stay healthy. Because I think AD had a little bit of an injury thing going on. And uh, like, and this could very well happen. And as soon as one injury, this Lakers team is one injury away from struggling against a potential East opponent. Yes. Absolutely. It's not like they're so dominant that they can afford to have somebody go down for any reasonable period of time that is significant that does real minutes. Correct. And this is from non-basketball guy. Look at that. I this know. requires almost no analysis. It's so simple. I think... What I would say here is that I really feel that 
you know, all these teams, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's all these teams. We know who they are. We know what they're trying, especially we've seen them playing for so long, especially in the bubble where the focus has really been on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know what their strengths are. We know what their weaknesses are. And it's just a question of who's going to be able to execute and game plan consistently to get four wins against any of them. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like in the NBA, traditionally, the better team in terms of talent wins most of the time. It's very rare when a team can just be scrappy and take it all the way to the house. Can it happen? Sure. But it's super rare. Like, I think the last time you can think of a team that probably wasn't the best team, but still got it done, was probably the Pistons some years back. Like, that yeah. team was very scrappy in terms of what they did. Their style was not, was, uh, you know, to steal a wrestling term, bowling shoe ugly, but it still worked. They were able to get it done. They found a way. And um, they were able to, they were able to stick it to some other teams by being that kind of a physical defensive team. Yeah, I don't think any of these teams are going to be doing that. So they're either it's going to be the team with most talent most of the time that's going to win. Yeah, exactly. So that's a big thing. So that's fair. Uh, So before we get to the NFL, then I do want to address kind of an elephant in the room. It's something that I think is very important that we do need to discuss. All right, let's hear it. So on a scale of one to 10, Dave, um, how many uh, how many copies of these shoes are you going to be buying? I need Uh, probably at least six. I, you, I, I'm going to hold you to that. I expect you and Ben to have multiple pairs coming around. Like, number one, you got to look at this. Like, this is uh, now again, you're missing out, folks, if you're not watching the video version. I am showing Ric Flair's Instagram, and Ric Flair has a pair of shoes that apparently are a collaboration with Adidas and Damian Lillard because reasons. Because reasons. I'm going to say, it, Carlos, because why wouldn't I want to wear those when I can be styling and profiling? Well, it's very important. Like, I was hoping you would say that, Dave, because I was prepared just in case you were going to try to cop out and say they were not alligator shoes. Are you going to well, try to cop out and say they're not alligator they're shoes? They're not alligator. Why are they? Are they alligator shoes somehow? They are not. But you know what? I've got alligator shoes up here, and I got this covered, Dave. So your alternatives are you can buy the Ric Flair, Damian Lillard, Dame Dollar collaboration, or we've got these Carmina alligator shoes that'll run you about 5500 3500 You can get yourself a nice pair of double monks for 1400 or you can buy the fucking running shoes. Do Is there a price on the running shoes? I have no idea. <laughs> it's a yeah, collaboration. I didn't see one. But uh, yeah, man, I, when I saw this, I was like, I, I want these. I do. As you, as you should. They're, they're frankly, they're frankly eyesores and hideous, but it's Ric Flair and it's hilarious. Well, and exactly. it, is on, it is on theme. It is on theme with like the robe that he's got sporting on there. Yeah. So like, if, if you're if you want to see the image, watch us on YouTube or go to Ric Flair's Instagram. Yep. Uh, Ric Flair, Ric Flair, Nature Boy or at Ric Flair, Nature Boy. Yeah, he is verified. So you can confirm that it is the correct one. It is, in fact, a collaboration, apparently, with Adidas. And actually, while we're talking about the NFL, I'm going to look this up because I'm curious myself. I have no idea. But yeah, and the fact I love the fact that Damian Lillard is in this part of this, too. Dude, a- Ric Flair has a lot of cred with the homies. He does. Why he has a lot of cred well, with how, the homies? I mean, how many, how many pep talks have you seen, including the, you know, the most recent Jays one where, where an athlete or a coach says... Give me two two claps and a Ric Flair. Well, right? you got that. So you've got that. You've got the fact. This is what's hilarious about Ric Flair's career. 
So let, let's actually have a quick conversation about this, Dave. You All know right, what? I don't, I don't even care about the NFL thing. Here, here's the here's what you need to know about the NFL thing. Both of our teams are going to be playing. Both of our quarterbacks are possibly decrepit and fortunate. The most interesting storyline coming from it, I'm going to quickly cover the NFL thing right now. Let's do it. The most interesting story about this game is going to be whether Drew Brees is actually going to disintegrate like Thanos snapping his fingers in the middle of the field and then go Jameis takes over and takes him to the promised land. That's scenario one. Scenario two is everything else. Scenario three is, from my perspective, I got to figure out if Aaron Rodgers can legitimately put together a third consecutive good game. He seems to be in a good headspace because now, interesting enough, Aaron Rodgers is doing weekly interviews uh, kind of segments on the Pat McAfee podcast. Nice. He's just kind of hanging out with him, Pat McAfee, and friggin', um, I want to say AJ Hawk. He's like the other co-host. And I was like, Really? This is what we got? And we, and we literally have like, and literally you'll watch the segment and it'll be like, um, and I think one of the last ones, I think, I think Rogers was on for like 35 minutes. Now it's a thing. He's a weekly regular now That's amazing. On, on the podcast. So he's just kind of sitting and hanging out and sometimes he's sitting there hanging out with like a glass of wine and he's just drinking it and just hanging out and being like super chill. And people are like, you know, I like this Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like, so do I. He's so weird. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I wanted to do like the meme. You ever seen like the Terrell Owens meme? Like, yeah. That, that's my quarterback. I wanted yeah. to do like the Terrell Owens meme. It was like, Dave, that's my quarterback. He's so fucking weird. I love it. Yes. This is what I want. And he dated Olivia Munn for a long time, which was also awesome. Well, and Danica Patrick. Yeah. Man, they broke up. Guy. Apparently, though, it was funny because uh, they were talking about it. I was like, Aaron, you seem different. <laughs> you seem like you're in a you're in a and he just alluded to being like in a better headspace and all that. And immediately the comments are like, Yeah, because you dumped Danica Patrick. Yeah, because you dumped Danica Patrick. Yeah, apparently what did Danica Patrick do to you? <laughs> like all like one after another after another. I'm sitting there like, I don't care who he dates, like it doesn't make any difference to me, but I'm just like hilarious. And you look like you're coked out of your mind. It's hilarious. I love it. So good. So, Carlos. So, go ahead. Before, before we get out of the NFL stuff, I wanted to I wanted to reiterate because I actually thought about this more than way more than I should have about the line that you said from that thing where you heard where it was like the Saint suck, uh, followed by a lucky break, followed by suck mm-hmm. or crap. Sorry, it was crap was the actual word. Sure. Used. Yeah. So so let's put it this way. I feel you could most accurately sum that up then based on, you know, a lot of th- I'm not going to qualify any of this, mm-hmm. but what it really should be summed up as crap followed by a lucky break followed by chronic underachievement. Well, until the future crap comes. Well, eventually it will, but that's that's where we're at right now. We are in well, eventually it could be as soon as the end of the season. It could be this season. <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget. It, yeah. It, it doesn't have to take long. If they do go with the Taysom Hill option, I think you're going to find out why he's thrown like six passes. Well, we shall see. But anyway, uh yeah, so Rick Flair, buddy. Let's let's go. All right. So the reason why I wanted to bring this up. So in addition final to top, final topic, Ric Flair. Uh, let me think. Is there any other good NFL matchup? None that I really care about. We'll talk about it later. And we're still, and we're still doing like this, this, the hashtag zoom call. We're still doing it. Yeah, of course we are. Of course yeah, we are. Yeah. Like I got to sit down and have my beer and enjoy this. Uh, but yeah, no, let's talk about Ric Flair. I think what's funny about it is that for the longest time, uh, if you were talking about like the greatest professional wrestler, Ric Flair was like in the conversation, but you struggled with it because for a long time, Ric Flair worked with the NWA. He he worked a lot of the regional promotions. Like he was the he master. WCW as well, wasn't he not? Well, WCW was an offshoot of the NWA originally. Okay. So that so they originally worked, and also as WCW kind of became its own entity. So let me give you let me give a really quick primer here. 
When I say NWA, I'm talking about the National Wrestling Alliance. They don't mean anymore what they once did. The National Wrestling Alliance used to be exactly what it sounds like. It was an alliance. It was a bunch of these regional territories agreeing to have like this champion that could potentially move between the different territories. So they were the he was the champion of like the alliance as a whole. But part of the way they would do business is you've got this champion who's recognized through all the territories as the champion. And he could go in there and challenge all the local ones. So they a regular occurrence, especially when Ric Flair was champion as well. But going back before him was that he would go to all these territories, challenge the champion, give them a great match, make them look like a million bucks. And in the end, they would find a sneaky way to make sure neither guy really lost any titles because he would retain the title, but he would make their champion look like a legit guy because then he would leave and move on to the next territory. And you still want your champion to look good. Of course. So, and at the same time, Ric Flair would also need to look good so that both guys would still have value going forward. And then Ric Flair could go and challenge the next champion in the next territory. And that's how he rolled for many, many years, uh, being champion all over all over North America and all over the world. Mm-hmm. And he would go and do exhibition matches where he challenged the champions in Japan, stuff like that, too. So the National Wrestling Alliance, once upon a time, meant a lot because right. it went back to the history of professional wrestling. WCW was kind of an offshoot because they were like Jim Crockett promotions. I'm not going to give you the whole history. This is the shortest possible version I can give you. But they were part of the National Wrestling Alliance until at one point they weren't. And then once they did, then WCW became its own thing fully separated from the National Wrestling Alliance. You still had a National Wrestling Alliance champion, which you still do to this day. Nick Aldis is currently the NWA champion, and he competes out of the, well, I guess the NWA has its own promotion. Uh, we're obviously in the pandemic, they're struggling to put shows on, but the NWA still exists and it's actually owned by Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, cool. So like, there's some random wrestling trivia for you. So, uh, but Billy Corgan being a pretty smart guy realized that in this current climate, it's good to try to cross promote. So his NWA women's champion, Thunder Rosa has actually been competing in AEW where she did a championship challenge against the AEW women's champion. So they did like a cross promotional champion versus champion thing on the pay-per-view and had a very good match. And she's been hanging around doing some matches with, uh, with the champion and some tag team and stuff, putting on some good matches, promoting her own brand, promoting her, her brand, the NWA promoting because she walks around with the title and she's the champion. And they were able to promote it that way because Billy Corgan knows, well, our, our, our organization is very tiny. AWA has now AEW has started to elevate itself. They the last couple of weeks they've gotten over a million viewers on Wednesday for their show. So they're starting to develop and they're working with TNT. So they're on a they're on a good high level broadcast network. Mm-hmm. So from their perspective, it's like, well, if the NWA Women's Champion can have these showcases on a nationally available thing, it can only help the brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very smart, but they booked it in a classic old school way where the two champions fought, there was a winner and a loser, but they did it in a way where they both got to look good. Right. And that's how you do it. So that was like the way that Ric Flair used to do it back in the day. But the end result of that, though, is that it meant that it was really regional. Ric Flair was a god in certain regions of the United States. But what happened is when the WWE, then WWF, became national, Hulk Hogan became a global icon. He became the guy with all the... uh, with all the big high profile matches, WWE ran their shop very differently. 
what they would do is Vince McMahon went out with a big checkbook and said, I'll buy your best talent. So he would go out and buy the best talent. So he'd go out and buy champions from all these other guys that had been world champion in their respective regional organizations and basically made them glorified jobbers. Their job was just to be there, be in the mid card. These were former champions in these other organizations. Yeah. They would just be there in the mid card, be good. Maybe they'd win a couple of titles here and there, small titles, and then eventually get fed to Hulk Hogan, who would put the leg drop and then pin him for the one, two, three. Yeah. So Hulk Hogan always got to look, to, always got to be the best. He didn't need to make them look good. Their job was to make him look good. But these were former champions in the old Ric Flair would go to the territory as the NWA champion and make them look excellent in the end, no matter who won. Right. It was a very different style of doing business. It meant that he could keep being having fresh matchups all over the country. In the WBF model, it was like, okay, so who do we feed to Hogan this month? Yeah. It worked for years. Obviously, Hogan became an icon, but Hogan has the highest profile matches, but Ric Flair might have the highest amount of like quality matches over a course of a career. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but because of not having that national exposure until WCW became national for a little while, it means that Ric Flair doesn't always get the credit he deserves as being like a top tier guy. But all of this background that I just gave you was to lay the groundwork for the interesting phenomenon that is now Ric Flair has taken on a second life long after his, his wrestling career is now over with his promos, with his swag, because people have latched onto the Ric Flair swag and they love it. And it's become his own brand. Ric Flair hasn't wrestled in years. And he, he shouldn't wrestle ever again. He's too old. He needs like to stay 70, away. 70, 72, 71, something, 72, like that. something like that. He actually yeah. should have retired years before he actually did. Like he was way too old to be doing that. But his career is, is noteworthy enough. And his promos are so legendary that they keep getting played to this day. So Ric Flair, the entity, Ric Flair, the legend, has now taken on another level. And in a way, Ric Flair has elevated his own profile since he stopped wrestling because all this has basically reminded people over and over again about Ric Flair years and years and years after he did his best work, which is interesting. Very, very interesting. It's like, it's almost like Ric Flair put himself back into the conversation after he stopped playing the game. And it wasn't even entirely his doing. It was just that people latched onto it and like uh, hip hop folks, rappers, uh, sports athletes. Every time somebody does like the Ric Flair woo, Everybody knows it's the Ric Flair woo. And it's like, he's created his own brand. Yeah. After his wrestling career is fully over. It's like he's elevated himself as Hogan has slowly come down a couple of pegs. He's still a legendary player in the game. Right. He's still Hulk Hogan. But it's almost like Hogan has come a little bit down because obviously he's had his own issues. He's come a little bit down. And Ric Flair has kind of gone a little bit up so that it's a lot more even than it used to be. When it's like we're talking about like the biggest icon of wrestling, Ric Flair has almost taken a second wind at this stage in his life. It's weird. It's kind of interesting, too. And he's got a freaking signature shoe with Damian Lillard in Which 2020. Awesome. Take that. Ric Flair first became NWA champion in the early 1970s. Think about that. Wow. Yeah. And now he gets a signature shoe. Yeah, when you think about it that way, right? I just think it's interesting. I think the rise of social media has been a boon. Ric Flair, and credit to Ric Flair for embracing it. This was on Ric Flair's Instagram. And what did he include on there? He explained it. Thank you to Adidas, you know, for the opportunity. Like, did you read what the head the heading was on the on the post? 
No. It wasn't or, a I mean, long it did, but I don't remember what it is right now. Offhand. It wasn't very long. It was, thank you, Adidas, for the opportunity to show the world that styling and profiling with Nate and Dame is even cooler than being like Mike. Woo! Coming soon. That's pretty cool. I so mean, he's you got to give it to him for the, I mean, I don't know if he writes his own, like if he's the one who does his own Instagram writing or whatever, but, but his Instagram is pretty entertaining, actually, just on but its if, own. But it fits in the style. Like it's stylistically, it fits into his style of his promos and whatever. Even if you get somebody to write it for him, it's like, it's not like they don't have a formula. This is how Ric Flair would phrase this. This is how he would make a promo on this item. Yeah. And the thing is, like, if you look at it, and it's not just like regular people paying attention to it. One of the big people that was on there, um, I know of him. I'm not a big, I don't know a lot about him. But like the, the one of the guys that was on there, one of the certified people, uh, verified people that like replied to that was mm-hmm. Killer Mike. Are you familiar with Killer Mike? Yes. Yeah. One point he's a rapper million, from Atlanta, isn't he? Yeah. 1.6 million followers. Okay. And I think he's part of Run the Jewels. He was the first guy on there. His reply was just, woo. And that yeah. was it. So like Ric Flair has all the street cred. Being a white guy from North Carolina, originally from Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, well, and the, and the other thing is, I mean, this isn't, I guess, maybe in the same vein, but you, if you watch the thirty for thirty about uh, yeah, him, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yep. I think the most the most interesting thing comes out of that is that, you know, Ric Flair is 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 one of those people. Like, let's put it this way: if you watch wrestling, right, and you watch, I'm going to use the Rock as an example because somebody I'm very familiar with, right. And you watch him, like you you look at him now in his movie career and, and listen to him talk. He and his wrestling persona are not one in the same. There are similarities, obviously, and you can see elements of Dwayne Johnson in The Rock, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right? And, but Ric Flair is the wrestling person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure there is anymore some the, the you know the other person other than the wrestling personality right like he be- I think that other person died about 1975 yeah since you know what then, I mean like Rick Flair then, it's is been Rick Flair Rick Flair is Rick Flair right and and you know the person he was before he became Rick Flair no longer exists correct yeah well yeah. you live the gimmick man he he has lived the gimmick for many decades yeah and and I mean that 30 for 30 is interesting to show you know as to how it, uh, you know, the good it's done for him, and also the the extreme heartbreak and the negative that it's that it's been for him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, and that's what makes all this. That's why I say this stuff is interesting because, like I said, he has made something out of it. He's got his uh, he's got a podcast called Woo Nation, of which of course it is. Well, why not? Yeah, like he's got the podcast, and the thing is, whoever's with him and his handlers and his people that are working with him, they're smart enough to know, like, look, the, there's money to be made in being Ric Flair. You can make money just by talking. <laughs> you can talk people into the room. You don't have to do anything physical anymore. You haven't had to do it in years. Realistically, just being Ric Flair is in and of itself a profitable venture at the stage. You know, here's the thing. I'm also very convinced if we wanted to, I don't know how much it would cost us probably several hundred dollars, but I'm pretty sure we could get him to be like, do a promo for this podcast. Yeah. But that would basically be just Dave being like, do it. It's like, I need this Carlos. It's like, look, you wire the money. <laughs> okay. We'll get, we'll get it done. That's you know. uh, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. 
I will recommend since uh, since we're at least talking about the guy, I will say um, if any of you do have any interest in Ric Flair, the wrestler, uh, what I'd recommend to you is um, check out his performance in the 1992 Royal Rumble. It's not like his old NWA stuff. It's not his old WCW stuff, but I feel like it's one of his more underrated, like top to bottom, great performances right from the beginning, right through the end, to winning, to the promo that came along with it, and becoming WBF champion. Uh, and it was a combination of a great little run there that he had in WWE slash WWF. But uh, we're going to see. It's going to be very interesting to see. And I'm just looking it up here. This is uh, this this Ric Flair shoe that got this whole conversation going is, is a Dame 7, so Damian Lillard uh, 7 signature shoe. And it's going to be unveiled. It's set to be formally unveiled by the brand in October, and a release date will probably be announced after that. So it hasn't been announced the release date yet. Um, it is a collaboration, so we're not sure exactly what the street price is going to be. Although we can probably get a bit of a sense of it, and I'll look that up. But that's kind of in general. The bottom line, though, point that I wanted to make about all that is that it is genuinely interesting to me how Ric Flair has kind of rewritten his legacy and like elevated himself in his post-retired career. Yeah. Because he's moved himself up and become a lot more relevant to kind of, um, like I said, that Damian Lillard would do a, a collaboration with him. And he was probably happy to do it. And rappers and things like speak his, uh, speak his praises. They reference him in rap songs. Like Ric Flair has become a bigger player now than he was at his height in the 1970s and 1980s, which is bizarre to think about. Yeah, it really is. So it's like, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> but there you go. Ric Flair, good for you. Good on you. We'll see what happens. I will tell you, Dave, if um, if the Dame 7 shoe, unless there's some weird thing about it, if the Dame 7 shoe is similarly priced to the Dame 6, uh, they tend to go for 160 retail. Good to know. Well, we shall see. We shall see. If so, I expect to see multiple pairs of shoes around the feet of you and Ben and uh, woo slaps all around. You got it, buddy. Ready? Just, just, just for you, Carlos. Woo! Lame. Anyway. So uh, I think that's good. I think that's, uh, I really, like I said, the other NFL matchups, there's some, but I don't think there's anything that catches my eye in particular. Oh, well, actually, that's not true. Hold on. There is one NFL matchup that did kind of catch my eye, and I think Sir it's Purr? this week. That? Sir Purr? Yes, yeah, Sir Purr is an NFL matchup. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> um, what I was referring to was, I'm trying to see if I can find it, because I believe it's this week. I want to say it's this week. Hold on. Oh, yes. Uh, the Monday Nighter. Kansas City and Baltimore. Ah, yes, that should be a good matchup. Yes, yes, very interesting. Uh, that right there is well, that's like um, that right there is a matchup of the of the present and future of the NFL because those are two some really good teams. That could be a very high octane game potentially. There could be some serious flashiness going on there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that that has potential for craziness. Uh, I have uh, Lamar Jackson as my quarterback in my fantasy league, so. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that one. All right, I'll, I'll I will quickly uh, point out a couple of other interesting matchups here. I will say uh, we've already talked about Green Bay, New Orleans. That's an interesting matchup, but it's there. Um, Dallas and Seattle could be interesting, just because it'll be interesting to see what Dak Prescott does with that, and then if Russell Wilson can torch the uh, the Dallas team, that'll be kind of funny potentially. Could be. Um, 
another one here that kind of is interesting is the Rams taking on Buffalo because right now uh, Josh Allen is <clears throat> is right now carrying riding a wave of momentum. We'll see if he can because uh, LA is two and zero and Buffalo's two and zero. Can Buffalo make it three and zero? Freak out, Bills Mafia! Freak out! My God! And then of course the signature matchup of the weekend: the Washington Football Team taking on the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I pass. I'm not know if I'm allowed to pass, but I still pass. Uh so good. You know, just just yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. Come on, the Washington football team. Take it on the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Done. Ah, uh, says the guy who watched the Saints games. Terrible. Just terrible. Oh well. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's good. So my last thing is uh hopefully. Cross fingers. We'll see if uh, if Dallas can continue can continue to make this a series. I'll be hoping for it. We'll see what happens. Um, as far as Major League Baseball, I think we'll talk a little bit more about it next week because I think we'll have I think we'll have all the matchups solidified by that point. I don't know if they're going to start the games right away. Um, did you see what the schedules were for the, so playoffs? For the playoffs? They start yeah, for on MLB. Tuesday, I believe. Oh, so we're going to start right Wednesday. away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so by that point, we'll not only know the matchups, we'll also be able to kind of see. Sorry, September. Th- yeah, September thirtieth, Wednesday is the for. No, sorry. No, starts September 29th Yeah. Okay. It's cool. Tuesday. So you well, can either watch the presidential debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, or you can watch playoff baseball. I feel I know what I'm doing, Carlos. Presidential debate. You know it. No. <laughs> I can't speak for you. It's like uh, it's playoff baseball. I'm in. No man, playoff baseball is 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 the is the right call on this one. Indeed. All right. So I think we'll uh, we'll definitely have a lot more to say about that once we do get those uh, those matchups finalized. And obviously, by that point, we'll have a couple of games under our belts to get a sense of what that playoff baseball looks like with these neutral sites and all the different setups to it. it this has been a very interesting year, obviously, for a multitude of reasons. But now with uh, Major League Baseball playoffs getting in there and us getting closer to a World Series champion, us probably by the time we speak next, we will have a Stanley Cup champion. One way or another, no matter what happens, we'll have a winner. And then we'll be able to chat about that as well. I think that'll be kind of interesting. So with that said, uh, if you haven't been checking it out up until this point, on the scrolling ticker in the bottom that I activated, you can see that we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast, in addition to being on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're seeing it on YouTube. So I'm Carlos, that's Dave, and this was episode 68 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. We didn't get any rolling Neymar this week. Maybe next week, but we did get some creepy Rob Manfred. And, you know, that's always the thing. Probably more creepy Rob Manfred next week. So you can look forward to that. We'll catch you in the next one.